0: Hello, hello. Welcome to A Reason for Hope. We are live with you for the next hour. Whenever Peter's on the show, I can hear him giggling off camera. (laughs) Because you always mess up. That that could be true as well. Get it right and I won't laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Even when I get it right, he tends to giggle at me and then I get it wrong, just to prove the point. Uh, Welcome to A Reason for Hope. We're live with you for the next hour. A Reason for Hope is a, a show dedicated and guided by your questions on the bible so if you have questions about the bible maybe a verse or passage of scripture or or even world events um, from a biblical perspective maybe events in your world maybe you're going through something you're facing something with like a biblical perspective uh, questions on christianity even other religions as long as you know that we're all about delving into the bible to find those answers that's what we're all about so we welcome your honest questions as we go along like i say live on various platforms which i'll share with you in a moment Please do send your questions in. I will personally be uh, fielding those questions as they come on in and we'll make them part of our show today. So that's what this next hour is all about. We're very glad that you're you're joining us. My name is Dave Robson. I will be your host. And like I say, I'll be on all the platforms, checking your questions, chatting along as that goes along. And with us today, let me introduce our guests. With us is... Uh, peter martin you're not usually sitting there you're throwing me off there as it's well first time that's the first time how'd you like it is it comfortable yeah yeah, it's pretty <laughs> yeah. Good. you okay Hell need good. anything gonna no. get you some <laughs> peanuts or, uh... <laughs> you doing good you doing yeah. well yeah doing Good, good to man. See you. Yeah, i
1: just got back from pine top it's really yeah. beautiful
0: up there yeah your wife posted some pictures oh, yeah? of you and your family Yeah. the <laughs> snow nice snowman oh yeah yeah his head was kind of small for his body but <laughs> It was uh, it was okay.
1: That was perfect proportionality. How <laughs> dare you? I'm no. not sure about
0: that. Not sure about that. Yeah. Pete, yeah. Peter is a, he's one of the pastors here at Calvary Christian Fellowship. Um does a lot of our counseling here. I was gonna say you're a wonderful counselor, but I should probably reserve that yeah. title for Jesus alone. <laughs> um an author as well, several books, probably working on your third and fourth books as we speak. So. Working on my third. I don't know about a <laughs> book. I'm sure it's up there in your head somewhere. Yeah. But, but welcome, welcome. And also Bo Willette, who's the assistant pastor here at Calvary Christian Fellowship, where we're broadcasting from. Also an author, this wonderful brother in the Lord. How you doing? Awesome. You doing good? Yeah, doing good. Yeah. It's always nice to be here. I love being in the alley, the, <laughs> the, alley.
2: <laughs> the back alley. Yeah, the back Even alley. though we do need a, we do need a uh, like a, a street, you know, yeah. of, like post. That would be like, cool, of, man. Of what yeah. street we're on. Yeah, All right. Hollywood here, mm-hmm. and then Vine over down. <laughs> Maybe a dumpster in the Is corner. Yeah.
1: I was thinking more heaven, hell <laughs> kind of thing. But. But, uh, Pointing up and down. Yeah,
0: but totally. But yeah, we're going to be sprucing this place up a bit uh, soon. aren't we? we're going to yeah. be yeah, throwing some paint around and some vegetation. Yeah. <laughs> so. But the important thing is the content, especially for those listening on the radio. Yeah, they don't care what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yes, we're we're glad that you're you're with us. As I mentioned, uh, a reason for hope um, is a Ministry of Calvary Christian uh, Fellowship here in Tucson, Arizona. If you're looking for a place to to fellowship, you're welcome to come check us out. We're near Prince I-10 on the west side of the freeway so you're welcome anytime to come and uh, and join us uh, but if you're wherever you are from around the world we're glad you're joining us today we're here monday through friday from 5 till 6 p.m mountain standard time so whatever time that is for you like i say we have I know people tuning from africa and england and australia and all around the world through the wonders of the internet and we're very glad you join us uh, you can go to our website dot com to uh, to to join our broadcast today if you follow the watch live tab right there click on there it will take you to our live page where you'll see a schedule of upcoming shows not only a reason for hope but our services as well you'll see a countdown to our next show but uh, as we are currently live you will see our live video and there will be a chat function where you can send your questions in and i will be monitoring that as it goes along the direct link to that is ccftucson.online.church or again just follow the link from our calvarychristianfellowship.com website you can join us on facebook look for calvary christian fellowship of tucson or facebook.com slash Tucson. we'll be live there as well we have an app um, again if you look for calvary christian fellowship of tucson in your app store whether that's on your mobile device or even on roku and apple tv you will find an app that you can download and join us that way as well Don't forget to like and subscribe and uh, click the bell on youtube and all those things we'd love to uh, have a greater outreach and notify you when we're live and all those things so do like and share and all that all that stuff on youtube we are at a reason for hope that's the name of the channel a reason for hope or youtube.com slash at a reason for hope five four six but if you just search for a reason for hope we'll show up there you can follow our senior pastor here scott richards on twitter his handle is uh, Scott r 4 h that's Scott, letter R, number four, letter H, and he posts highlights from the show. He posts uh, kind of commentary on um, world events from like a prophetic and biblical standpoint, some uh, humorous things, and uh, just some good stuff. You'll want to follow along with Scott there on Twitter, should you be a Twitter kind of person.
2: 2,800 <laughs> followers. Whoa. That's pretty awesome. I noticed
1: that it said he was literally stoned in Israel <laughs> on, his little, yes. on his little bio. Yes. <laughs> I'm hoping he means with rocks. I don't yeah, know. He does mean with rocks.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Husband, dead, author, ghostwriter, host of reason. for hope literally stoned in Jerusalem. <laughs> no, he was. He got a rock uh, thrown at him, hit him in the head. There you go. And he hasn't been the same since. No, that's not true. He's not the same. <laughs> uh, our email address, questions for hope at gmail.com. If you're listening to us on Reach Radio we're glad you're joining us, but you are listening to our last show pre-recorded, um, so you'll want to use that email address to send your questions, and we get to those on the show as well. And that's a great way to keep in touch with us, of course, twenty-four-seven through the uh, email method. Questions for Hope at gmail.com. Oh, well, with all that being Whoa. said, nailed it, man. With all that being said, <sighs> with all that, I can lot. ask the first question. You can,
2: because I was <laughs> on the phone today with someone, and they asked a, a really good question about what makes for a good church and so oh, wow yeah it's kind of a good question i thought it was a great question actually what um you know i guess we could kind of start with uh you know what makes for a church and then maybe <laughs> what makes for what a is good church, church? <laughs> you know
1: well yeah uh so you know in philosophy the concept of the good is essentially what an object ought to be so if you want to Understand what an object ought to be you have to understand what it's for, right? So for instance if I say this is a good table I have to have some sort of a concept of what a table is for in order for me to define it as good So it it does make sense to say well, what is a church, right? What's the church for before I could start defining what makes a church good or not, you know So that that is actually a very important distinction.
2: Yeah, so you want to you want to start us off with kind of what is a quote church
1: yeah, absolutely. So uh, the best place to go, I believe, to look at what uh, a church is or what a church is for is actually going to be in the book of uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, there, there are a couple of passages like this in the early church where uh, the church is trying to explain its own existence, but you got to remember that this idea, this concept of what we call church is not new, right? It's not something that Christians invented or designed. It was something that had already existed within Jewish culture. So prior to it, they called it the synagogue, right, which was a gathering of Jewish believers in order to serve, study Torah, uh, to serve God, and to be educated. And so, what you see the early church doing is modeling its existence off of the pre-existent synagogue worship. So when Paul's writing this, just keep that in mind that he's he's not writing about something that he's invented. He's writing about something that has already preexisted him, and he's just applying it to to God. So this is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, whom from the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective workings by which every part does its share, causes growth to the body for the edifying of itself in love." Now it's kind of a mouthful. there are there are quite a few components I think me and Bo could both have and could teach multiple sermons on that passage alone, mm-hmm. uh, but let's try to condense it as, as much as we can. So uh, in that passage, what are the components that you see for church, like what church is?
2: Well, I see a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> try to condense it out of like uh, just
1: a couple, so we're not here all day. Yeah. We'll give you two, <laughs> yeah. and then a third one if it's good. Yeah.
2: Well, one of them is a component is uh, unity. Mm. There's a unity that's being talked about in that Ephesians four passage, right? Right. Right. So there's uh, it's a togetherness mm. of a group of people yeah. that are there for a specific purpose, right? And that purpose is talked about in that section right after it talks about some or this, some or that. Yeah. It talks about that we may grow.
1: Yeah, which, yeah. Is, which is what the word church means, right? It's yeah. Just gathering.
2: A gathering, yeah. right. So you see that in the book of Acts, chapter 2, where it says, and every day they continued uh, together in the temple. Mm. So that same kind of idea of just gathering right together. Um, but there's a couple things that are mentioned. I, I think one of them was the idea of uh, kind of the idea of glorifying Christ, uh, right. being conformed or transformed in, into the image of Christ. Right. So... That kind of jumped off the page two of that Ephesians 4. So it's a gathering of people that are worshiping God yeah. in the hopes of being transformed hmm. into a rightful image, right uh, of in a sense of uh, human beings, right the, the right image bearing the right image. Right, which is you know,
1: uh, such a different. Like what you said right there, I mean, I, I, I don't want to belabor the point, but what you said right there is so contrary to what a lot of people think of when they say like a good church. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first thing that I'll mention is there's a big push within Christendom today for what's called the uh, the seeker-sensitive church.
2: Yeah, I just talked—I just had a meeting with a, a person who said, man, our church is really focusing on acceptance. And I said, well, that's 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 so weird because— like if I want acceptance, like I'll just go to a club. Yeah,
1: right. Like
2: you know, like when I was young. Yeah. Like you know, and I wanted acceptance. Like I had acceptance with my peer group. Right. I mean, I had acceptance at yeah. raves. Right. You know what I mean? I had a lot of acceptance. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I, I, I wasn't looking for acceptance,
1: yeah. <laughs> not from human beings. Right. Right. So the the point <laughs> of the church is actually not to be inclusive. It's actually to be exclusive. Right. So. In other words, when you're gathering together, the idea is that there's like-minded individuals gathering together, and not everybody is invited, right? So, not so, everybody so, so is define
2: there. that, though, when you say it's not inclusive.
1: Right, so the idea of inclusive is kind of like what you're talking about with the club of anyone can come. Right. right? Just anyone can come. If you pay the fee. You pay the fee. You're in. You can do whatever you want (laughs) And when you're in the club. You know, if you want to get drunk, get drunk. If you want to get high, get high. If you want to dance and rave, go do that. If you want to sit in the corner and sulk, you can do that. It's It's whatever you want to do in that moment and whatever perspective you have is fine, right? That's inclusivity. It's just everyone's welcome. Anyone can come on in. That's the idea. The church is not designed to be inclusive. The church is designed to be exclusive. It is for a very particular group of people for a very particular purpose. So the mindset that's prevalent that you that you mentioned is, it's people who want to glorify God in our thoughts and our behavior. So I'm going to a place in which my thoughts can be shaped in a very particular way, and my behavior can be shaped in a very particular way, that I might live a life that honors and glorifies God. That's who the church is for. So the idea of a seeker-sensitive church is a more evangelistic model. Everyone is welcome, everyone is invited, and the purpose of the church is to then convert you to the idea of Christianity, that's it. Um, It's not really there for like-minded people to gather and to seek to glorify God, it's a gathering place of everyone to be entertained, and then hopefully you're converted to God.
2: And this is interesting. And this is something that, when you look at church history, you kind of see something shift mm. uh, at times in certain times in history, right? Where the church gets this or changes its direction, right? Where I remember reading, studying about a, a man, an author. A uh, famous author named Albert Camus, mm. and uh, some people know him as Albert, but uh, I don't think it's he's French. He's Albert. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Albert Camus. Yeah, consonants <laughs> don't matter in French. That's right. <laughs> you just throw them out. Yeah. But you know him. He he went to a church, and he was fascinated with the music that mm. was played in a in a church, and um, and the preaching. He said was okay. It was wasn't horrible to him or right. nothing, but but the. The idea wasn't that he was going to like be accepted in the church. Right. He knew the church already had established mm. a a way about it. Mm. It was already established long ago. Right. And Camus wasn't going to change that. Right. And he wasn't expecting for the church to bend over backwards for him. Right. You know,
1: I mean, it'd be like the equivalent of me going to a college university course uh-huh. and just like being like, "You should just accept me as I am." You know, so whatever lectures you're giving, that effect, going up to the professor later, be like, "That really offended me. I don't really think that you're telling the truth. I don't really like what you had to say. You want me to do a test on this? Well, I don't like that book. I'm not going to do a test on that book. <laughs> I'm going to do a test on a book I want to do. You know, that would be so foolish because you understand people are there; they're actually spending money to be in a place, to be educated in a particular way. So the same thing is true with the church. It, it has an intent, it has a purpose. Yeah. And its purpose is not to accept you as you are. The purpose is actually to conform you to a very particular way of thinking and behavior.
2: Right, and Jesus establishes uh, his church in the book of Matthew when he's in a, a wonderful little chat with Peter. Mm. And, he, and he says, um, it's like in Matthew, maybe 16 or somewhere around there, but um, I might have the the exact place, you know, not correct. It's in there. It's in it's in there. It's <laughs> in there. But it's it's somewhere around there in Matthew where Jesus is in this talk with Peter, right? Mm. And, you know, and everybody knows this passage. It's pretty famous, right? Upon this rock, yeah. I will build yeah. my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Yeah. But it's interesting because it's it's personal. Right. My church. Right. It's not I will build the institution. Right you know, on your philosophy of life <laughs> or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's I will build my church. Right. So I think what Camus understand, and I think what's important to understand and what you're getting at is that th- the church is something that is established by Christ. Right. It is. It already has its, it, if you will, rules to it.
1: And that's why we call it the body of Christ. Right, we're saying that this is this is not something that we've again invented or created. The the body, the existence of God, the existence of Christ on this earth, is filled by his adherents, his followers, uh, that that convert to him, to convert to his ideology. This is why we call ourselves Christians. We're followers of Christ. So that's what the the body, that's what the church exists to do. It's not a man's creation, and we just kind of form it how we want and it's our ideas and it's our ideology. No, 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 like we're trying our best. We're trying our sincerest to convert again our, our thoughts and our behaviors to Christ. Now, does that mean that we're doing it perfectly? No, but that's our intent. That's what we're trying to do the best that we can um, so that people who come, they have access to uh, a resource, right? A resource that enables them to, to, to learn and to practice Christianity in an environment of like-minded people and we'll talk more about that in a second
2: yeah and it's interesting because jesus says upon this rock i will build my church mm. and thing is is if you think about it coming to jesus said there's only one way to the father right it's not inclusive right, right. it's not inclusive right you know right it's yeah. exclusive right right the only way you're coming in is through this way right and that's it right. and if and in order to be a good church right you would have to uphold this kind of idea this kind of ideology right that the church is not a inclusive church right mm-hmm. it is an exclusive church there's only one way to the father mm. and the church is to be the pillar and ground of the truth it says in the book of timothy right so it's the pillar and the ground what what do we think of when we think of pillars We think of support, Mm -hmm. right? Ground. We think of foundation. Right. It is the thing that has the foundation of the truth. It upholds, it supports the Mm -hmm. truth. Right. And so when you go to a church, you should feel excluded Mm -hmm. from God. Yeah. By the very definition of the church. Mm -hmm. Meaning, when I went to a church when I was seventeen. I didn't go there thinking i was in like i was automatically in with god mm. Mm. i went there to seek truth to find out how to be right with god
0: mm.
2: knowing that there there had there, they were the beat to be the pillar and the ground of the truth right. they were to they claimed to know truth they claimed to know the one who is truth right jesus right and so um, I wasn't going there just looking for that country club. Hey, I'm accepted. You guys accept me the way I am. No, that's why we're in the church, is that it's exclusive. No one comes into heaven. No one. Yeah. No one. Yeah. Except those who come through <laughs> Jesus Christ.
1: And that means that like, so when we say the church, we also need to make a little distinction here. So there's, There's a church with a capital C, and that is the invisible church of God. And that's specifically what Jesus is talking about when he says that I will establish my church. He's not talking about Calvary. He's not talking about the the Baptist church down the street uh, or anything. (laughs) He is talking about this church with a capital C. It is the invisible gathering of peoples in all time from his resurrection to now and into eternity, the gathering together of all people from all different tongues, nations, backgrounds, and everything like that into common faith in his sacrifice and resurrection. That's the idea of the church with a capital C. That's what he's building. Now we have individual churches, which are buildings or gathering places of the church with a capital C, of like-minded Christians and believers. So the function of the church with a capital C is evangelistic. Right, we're there to go out and to accept people, and we are to love people, and we are to bring them into knowledge of the true and living God. So, as an individual member of the church, I do accept and love people in my life who do not belong to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, they are in relation with me. I don't accept. I don't uh, acknowledge and accept their behaviors, but I do accept them as people. Right, they're in my life. It is not the role of the church the local gathering of believers to do that, though. That's not what the local church does. So evangelism is something that individual members do. It is not something that the church as a whole does. Just Mm. like entertainment, the church is not here to entertain you. Mm. Individual members of the church might be entertainers, right? So we have uh, Adrian Van Vactor who's on the show sometimes. He's He's a magician, and he doesn't like empty out the facilities before he performs and says, hey, anyone who's not a Christian, this isn't for you i'm not here to entertain i'm here to be the church i'm here to educate you in understanding god and conforming your behaviors to him no no no. he's he's a member of the church but he can't entertain non-believers right but the church gathering place that's not what it's here for it's not to entertain it is specifically there to conform you to the image of god so a very important distinction i think that we can make between the the church with capital c as well as the individual church so if we're saying what makes a good church that's what we're talking about. Uh, we're not talking about the invisible church that spans the ages. We're talking about an individual gathering place for believers.
2: Yeah. So um, practically speaking, and more in a, a kind of a practical way, you know, one of the things I think of as like a good church is one that up, does uphold the pillar and the ground of the truth, meaning right. how do we do that is going to be by teaching the Word of God. So one of the ways you could find a good church is find a church that believes in the Bible and believe the Bible is God breathed, as it says in the book of Timothy Mm. and, uh, uh, meaning the Bible is inspired by God Mm. and that they uphold that truth and that belief through their teaching ministries in the church. Right. And so if you can find a church that's teaching the Bible, that would be good. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you're, you know, uh, for me, being a young punk Southern California kid, um, I, I was, it wasn't about acceptance. It was about me learning what truth is mm-hmm. and learning how to get saved, how to know God, mm-hmm. and um, you know, uh, I think sometimes in our culture we we throw out the power of the word of God,
0: mm-hmm. you
2: know, which is interesting, right? Because uh, the Bible tells us that um, I am not ashamed of the gospel in the book of Romans chapter one,
1: mm.
2: for unto it is the power of God to salvation. Right. And and that if we share the word of God, maybe more people would come to the church, mm. um, not less. Maybe people would be more attracted you know, because we're sharing something that is so, in a sense, heart piercing, mm-hmm. you know, that it would convict the soul of people. People would be like, "Whoa, man, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's I had no problem sitting in a message and being convicted. Mm-hmm. you know, um, I had I, I wasn't I, I I wanted to be convicted. Mm-hmm. Again, if you want mm-hmm. acceptance, just, Go down to your local club or something. Right. Go to the country bar, yeah. <laughs> you
0: know.
2: Yeah. Go square dancing. Yeah. I mean, you know. Um, and I guess it. I mean, it.
0: Uh-huh. It depends. You know what you mean when you say acceptance. I mean, I remember yeah. we had um, years ago. Now we had a recovery ministry. Yeah. Here and the guy that headed it up, it was cool. He had it kind of registered or whatever, so to speak, so people could actually get sentenced to his program. Right. You know, it was like you. You can either go to jail or you can be, you know, do this recovery program. And so, and then and you bring these, these people to church. And so these people were, you know, right o- out of prison or right <laughs> yeah. off the street, you know, not yeah. to be judgmental of that, but you could tell when you. <laughs> they're, yeah, just r- rougher. they kind of, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. And I know uh, Pastor Scott was telling me how to come say someone who was just offended that these people, these people were here. These people. These people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like at the end, yeah. um. And that, I mean, that kind of acceptance we should have, you know, where we're not, you know, p- giving preference to someone because of their well, background, you know, yeah. like they're more worthy to be saved. I mean, that's, that's nothing to do with, um, you know, really what, what you're talking about is in that, you right. know, we, we don't accept well, again, sin.
1: You know, like when we talk about the church, you know, when you and I talk about it, we, we distinguish between the church and the church building. So it's like when the church building is not being utilized for this purpose that we're talking about, it's not the church, right? So on you know Monday through Tuesday, you know, and and not on Wednesday night, uh, the church building's empty there's nothing sacred about it there's nothing holy about it there's nothing, I can do whatever I want in the church building you know I, I go over here I eat you know I I, you know I I make food I you know I, I counsel you but you're not you're not eating in the church I'm not eating in the church right that's right. because that's not it and so we've used our facilities you can use your facilities for evangelistic purposes but that's not the purpose of what we call the church the gathering of believers that's a very yeah, gathering different thing. of saints the gathering of saints so Definitely, evangelistic ministries are. I I think that it's good. We lived in a a blessed age where we have dedicated facilities to church gatherings. That's kind of a new innovation. That's really cool. They didn't have that in the early church. (laughs) It's like you know, you go to someone's house, but uh, nowadays we have these dedicated buildings and these facilities we could use for many different things, right? So some churches use their facilities as schools during the week or things like that. Yeah. Uh, but the idea is, what is the purpose of the church gathering? What is that for? And so members of the church are like, well, if that's the mission of the church, is to bring people to Christ. And, and so it doesn't just apply to discipleship, right? Taking people who already believe in God and, and raising them up in their belief, but it also includes evangelism. How can we, in our off hours, quote-unquote, utilize the facilities best to reach the world for the gospel of Christ. Now, again, this doesn't—it's not to discourage you from inviting your friend or your family member to a church service, but it just means that that's not what the church service is there for, right? You—you you shouldn't, uh, like Camus was talking about, you, they shouldn't be showing up thinking like, "Man, that was really offensive." He, he talked about the Bible. I don't like that. You know, it's like <laughs> that, that's what it's supposed to do. That the, the doctrine of the Christian church should offend people who are outside of it, because by that doctrine you are declared a sinner in need of a Savior, right? So of course it's going to offend people who aren't brought in, but that's not what, again, the church is not there to be inclusive. Now, uh, another interesting thing that you see in in Ephesians chapter 4 is, as you said, Bo, there's a teaching of the Word, right, that we're upholding the Word, we're upholding the truth. And I actually just read a good devotional yesterday from a guy named George McDonald where he was talking about the Bible and he says, we make a mistake when we think that the Bible is God. Our Bible is our introduction to God. Uh, God is a person that we can have a relationship with. So what he's talking about is like, when I'm reading the Bible uh, and I'm giving sermons, there's a reason why we're giving sermons as opposed to just people buying the audio book of the Bible. You know, just just listen to it on tape, you know, or just have someone read it that has a very eloquent voice or something like that. The reason why is because I'm reading the Bible and then I'm applying it to your life that affects, again, the way that you think and the way that you behave, that's the intent. Um, So it's supposed to be convicting, it's supposed to be elevating, it's supposed to be uh, motivating, comforting, all those things, right? That's that's what the purpose of church is. And it's also a place in which you can develop or cultivate community with like-minded people. So there's always a danger presented in the New Testament of people falling away from God because they don't have enough relations or community with people who don't adhere to God, right? This is the almost the entire message of the book of Hebrews, where you have Jewish believers falling away from faith because they're sticking to their Jewish traditions and continuing their feast days and their temple worship. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, you can't do that, right? You, you need to, uh, Hebrews 3 verse 13, do not neglect, I mean, Hebrews 10, sorry, do not neglect the gathering together of believers as some have done. Right? So th- there's an idea that the church is there to build and cultivate a community of like-minded people that can help you in a relationship with God and teach you how to love, Right, teach you how to relate to other people. So th- there's nothing wrong, by the way, of having certain ideas of like, okay, as long as that's your primary standard, this is what I want from a church, it's not wrong for you to, to look at it and say, well, there are different churches that help me do that better. So if you're a more emotive person, you might want to prioritize worship ministry within a church. Right? That would be very important to you if you're very musically gifted and that speaks to you. You'd be like, it's not that you could throw out the teaching of the word and say it's not important, but to say like I would prefer a church that has very talented and beautiful music as opposed to say a church that does organs and, you know, does the hymnal. That that doesn't minister to me as much or If you're a person with kids, and you're like, I would prefer a church that has good outreach for children, as opposed to maybe a smaller church that doesn't have any, right? Doesn't have any capacity to watch your kids or to educate them in the things of God, right? So there's nothing wrong with having these kinds of secondary preferences for church, but it is important to, number one, not make them primary, to say that's a bad church because it doesn't provide these things. That's not true. It could be a very good church. It just might not meet what you need in that moment right? It is fulfilling its role as the church, and you need to be thankful for that and appreciative of that, but it might not meet your individual needs at that particular time of your life, as well as a different church might, right? So we have kind of an embarrassment of riches in the West where there's just like churches on every corner, where you you do have the liberty to, to be a little bit picky about the church that you go into, but be careful that you're not being narcissistic and that pickiness, that you're like, I am just seeking that which fits my needs. And it's not me being a part of the body of Christ and conforming myself to God, it's me getting my wants met and my preferences met. So that's a very uh, delicate balance that you have to achieve. And also understand, no church will meet your individual needs to their completion. Uh, Some will do better than others, but none are gonna be perfect for you. You need to be able to fit yourself inside of it and work to make your community better And to be a a relevant part of it, and that's what Paul talks about—the end that we're being knit together, right? You're conforming yourself to fit into that body. You're not just like accept me as I am. You know, I just I'm good as I am. You need to change to fit me. It's I need to change to fit you. I need to change to meet the needs of that community as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, man. So yeah, there's a lot we could we could continue on with that talk for sure. Yeah, um, Cause it's a good one. <laughs> um, but uh, hopefully we gave you some good stuff to,
0: yeah. to think through. It was on my mind today. It was cool that you mentioned about the teaching of the Bible. I was thinking about that today. I remember when I became a Christian and started going to church, I didn't know about the different styles of teaching the Bible. Yeah. I didn't, and I didn't know that you could teach the Bible verse by verse. Yeah. Like I thought it was probably such a sort of antiquated is that the word book yeah, yeah I did that too. you couldn't just go through it yeah that's you know you I had to, to do topical you know which is a style of teaching where you have a topic like marriage and then you pull some verses and you throw it at it um as opposed to the verse by verse which yeah. you know pretty much across the board calvary chapel right teach verse it's by really verse sticky, yeah yeah we a book of the Bible and we go I through. Don't. No, <laughs> <You don't? laughs> when I teach I usually do no. them, go, <laughs> go over the place. But Sometimes you, other books.
2: But usually what we call our uh in, you know, it, like at our this fellowship and most Calvary chapels that I know of, and that's the only church I've ever been involved in, is Calvary Chapels. Yeah. yeah. But um, you know, the senior pastor is usually going through the Bible, you know, book by book and verse by verse. Yeah. yeah. And taking, you know, in a sense, taking the flock through the word of God yeah. and honoring that word. You know, if there's a guest speaker, like what we do with our senior pastor and we, we jump in there, you know, of course we're going to do a, a top. sometimes we will pick a really small book yeah. and maybe tackle it. Yeah. But on the whole, we just, you know, we'll do a topical or something different. Um, but uh, you know, it's very important that the congregation get the entire Bible. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that what we're doing is we're 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 putting ourselves in a position when we teach through the whole Bible, we're putting ourselves in a position to know the whole counsel of God, right? right. So that we can be conformed or transformed into the image of Christ, yeah. and so we can be knit together right. and serve the body. So, you know, you sit there, you listen through the Bible, you go, oh, wow, I'm going through the book of Philippians. Right. You know, gosh, man, I'm learning about how to, you know, serve, enjoy, consider other people better than myself. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what it says in chapter two. Mm -hmm. And you go, whoa, that kind of hits you. You know, you go, man, that's right. I got to learn how to serve people, you know, and consider their needs maybe greater than mine. And that's how Christ did it. Yeah. That's what Christ did. So, you know, that's that's the kind of church you want to go to. Uh, again, I I I'm kind of puzzled sometimes that people want to go to a church that is like accepting of a behavior. Yeah. Um, you know, we're dealing with God. And I knew at 17 that when you invoke the deity, <laughs> when you start talking about God or gods, right. You're talking about something greater, mm. and that wasn't weird to me. Yeah, I, I thought when you mentioned the word God, yeah. that obviously is greater than you. Yeah. yeah, that's in contrast to us as human beings. Yeah, right. So God or gods must be eternal. Yeah, you yeah. know. So they must be greater.
0: Yeah. yeah, and you wanted greater. You wanted greater. Yeah. Right? you
2: don't <laughs> want someone like you. Yeah, and, and so you know. You know, just by invoking God, hmm. you know you're 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 going to be studying someone that is the best. Right. And don't be shocked if you find <laughs> in your own life yeah. a lot of issues at this point. Yeah. You know, this is, this is, by the way, why Jesus came. <laughs> This it makes sense, yeah. it makes sense, though. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah.
1: It makes a little yeah. sense, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, this, this is why Jesus I don't agree with it, but it might may <laughs> not, maybe not. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is why Jesus gave the right of the church to be able to excommunicate people in Matthew 18, right? The mm-hmm. Church discipline. Mm-hmm. So, the idea there is that again, we want people to come in, and if somebody, like I said, if someone's a visitor, someone just comes in, we're not gonna be like, Hey, what are you, are you living with your girlfriend? Get out of here, you know, like <laughs> But you know, like obviously, if someone is attending right? They're, they're yeah. attending faithfully. And a sin, as, as Jesus puts it, like a sin is found out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a methodology in which that sin is confronted, right? You don't just kick the person out, but you talk to them about it, right? You talk one-on-one. The person who sees the sin goes and talks to that person, and then you bring two people to talk to them. And the intent is to try to uh, restore the person, right? It's, it's to bring them into the right fellowship. Be like, hey, your, your sin, this behavior, it is putting you out of the fellowship, right? It's disabling you from being a part of what we're doing because you're you're walking in and there's a difference, right? There's a difference between what we would call unrepentant sin and repentant sin. So in other words, we're not saying that someone has a sin of like pride or selfishness or something like that and they're just like, whatever. We're talking about someone who has legitimate sinful behaviors, right? That are external, that are affecting to other people around them in their communities, say someone who's cheating on their wife, something like that and they're unrepentant about it. They're just like, "Yeah, whatever, you know. We're all messed up, man." You know, like what are you going to do? And so there's a methodology in which the church can excommunicate someone like that because what we're saying in that instance is you don't want to be a part of the church. You don't want to conform yourself to Christ. You want to do something different. And so we have the ability to discipline you out. The church becomes like a, a an edifice, like a governmental structure for the education and the pr- preservation of the people of God, right? The kingdom of heaven has these little, uh, I guess you call them embassies throughout the world. That's what the church is. It's like an embassy for the kingdom of God that you can come and you can gather and you could uh, learn about God and draw closer to him. But then if you don't want to be a part, right, if you don't want to move in this type of holiness, there is a capacity for the church to excommunicate you. And that is, uh, that's the reason why, right? We don't have the authority to arrest people or to execute them but we do have the authority to say like you can't be a part of our fellowship anymore until you work on this area right We want to restore you, but there's this is a, a significant area of sin that we want you to work on before you could be restored.
2: Yeah, you know one of the things that's throughout the Bible is that uh, we are to fear the Lord and um, it's just a common thread throughout the scriptures. Mm. Um, you just read the Bible and you come to know that within the assembly of the people, whenever they are assembling coming together and it's before god before the deity it is a gigantic thing right it is not minor in the slightest it is fire brimstone um you know earthquake kind of thing it it's the bible's way of saying it's cataclysmic right you know when you're dealing with the deity mm. and and so like why why would anybody think of going to a church coming to the deity and that it's not going to ruffle your feathers. Mm. I mean, every time I sit in church and listen to the word taught every time mm. there's something in it that I go, mm. Mm. Right. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> that's a rough one, <laughs> you know, yeah. meaning that's, that hits my heart. Like my heart doesn't want to abide, yeah. you know, and I have to wrestle, yeah. you know? So, um, you know, it's I mean, if you want to be made in the image of man, then then you can go to a church that is quote for your acceptance right. and yeah. you know and you can be conformed to the image of human beings, mm. but that's not what the Bible's claiming to do in the church. Right. It's actually to restore a lost image of God, mm. uh, an image that was lost in the fall in the garden. And that image of God that's been lost, and it's being restored through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And those are huge concepts, big. The the difference between God and human beings is vast. Mm. And so, you know, we should feel conflict, conviction. Yeah. Uh, In a sense, what Paul says, knowing the terror of the Lord. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we... we, when people, you know, we move, yeah. we we act, you know, in a sense, there's that, there's that awe, you know, of like, yeah. whoa, you know? And so, I mean, if we could kind of wrap a bow on it, I, I do think the church has to be a church that's in awe of yeah. God. Mm. It has to have an aweness about mm. it, you know, about their, their ideas of God. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm. not just, it's not just, hey, let's talk about love or, yeah. you know, there should be, we walk out of there and we go, hmm wow yeah. God's amazing yeah. and we're
0: we need saved we're not yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah Man. that kind of thing that's powerful that's that's heavy and good <laughs> I think
1: that's a, just real quick because I want to just comment on what you just said because I think it's so profound I, I think that's the appropriate response to leaving a church service so some people think like it's a good church service if I feel really good about myself when I leave, and it's like that's <laughs> foolish. But then other people are like, well, it's a good church service if I feel really cruddy about I myself. I feel really horrible. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, I'm such a worthless piece of piece of garbage, and I need I need to just be left to my own devices and leave this planet alone. Uh, the the correct response is awe, right? That that you're you're in awe of God. And you're just like, wow, like God is amazing, and that will be convicting. Yes, that His will holiness be is. Uh, Huge to be in awe of God, but it will also be uplifting to be in awe of God. That's right, right? Like that Pascal quote that you like so much—that Jesus is the only God that you could approach without, uh, without arrogance and without uh, basically despair. Yeah, right. He does, he does both. So that's that's the approach. If you're in a church service, and the takeaway is just God is awesome, right? It, it fills in you an awe and respect for the divine. That is a that's a good church, right? Yeah. They're doing mm-hmm. it right. Totally.
0: Wow great stuff guys it's really okay <laughs> that's now really that powerful. question was short <laughs> yeah <laughs> we got time <laughs> 45 for minutes. one more we do have some <laughs> questions and let me ask this one from mike because it's somewhat related and peter even kind of hit on it mike is asking um is praying for a true repentant heart a good thing to do he says i'm backslidden and i need god to give me strength to fight thank you there's so much just in that question itself and the way he worded it but thank you mike for that question and I mean, you guys with Running Light Ministry and some of the support groups, yeah. you know, you work with a lot of people probably over this. Like, what is it to repent, you know, to um, have a repentant a heart, time. how to That's seek that? Time. And so, yeah, is it a good thing to pray for that? Um, like say, Mike said he's backslidden. He needs God to give him strength to fight against these things. So.
1: Um, yeah, I'll give a quick answer, and then I'll, I'll kind of pass it over to you See yeah. uh, what else you want to elaborate on. So really quickly, repentance is an act that encompasses the whole being of a person, right? So it's not merely an intellectual act, it's not merely an emotive act, and it's not near, merely a behavioral act, right? So the, the term repentance means to turn, uh, right? To, to have a change or a, a move in a different direction, a, an 180-degree shift in the way that someone is, is behaving. So if someone just changes their behavior, is that biblical repentance? And the answer is no. Uh, if someone just changes their mind about something, is that biblical repentance? the answer is no. Uh, so it's something that has to encompass a whole person. So when we're praying, and you say, I'm praying for a heart of repentance, I think that's a very good prayer because what you're understanding is like, I know what to do, I know that my behavior is wrong and I need to change it, but maybe there's something In me, that's kind of like what you were talking about, Bo. There's a resistance in me where I don't want to change my behavior. I don't want God. I don't want him, his law and his expectations in my life. And so I'm resisting the move of the spirit. I'm resisting what I know to be true. And that's uh, carving a wedge between my mind and my behavior. So I don't think there's anything wrong with praying for a heart of repentance. I think that's actually a very good thing, uh, what that looks like is it's a heart of sorrow over current sin and a heart of desire and passion for the things and the works of God. That's what that heart looks like. Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians 7. But it's it's not enough just to affect the mind and the, and the, and the heart. It also must affect the behaviors, and they all seem to be reciprocal. Repentance, again, is a process. It's not something that happens like that. So as I understand and as I act on that understanding, that moves my heart widens my understanding, and then that in turn encourages greater behavior. So uh, there's a lot there, but anything you'd like to elaborate on for for the time's sake?
2: Yeah, um, I would say that in the Psalms, like in Psalm 31, 32, uh, of course, the famous Psalms of of repentance of King David, you see that kind of idea of like, change my heart, oh God, you know? And so obviously nothing's wrong with that kind of a prayer. So I just want to give him that. Yeah. Like hey Mike, nothing's wrong with yeah. praying that way. It's a good prayer. Yeah. You know, it's a good prayer. King yeah. David did it. He was a man after God's own heart. Yeah. Go figure. Yeah. And um and, and the
0: struggle is very real. I mean even the apostle yeah. Paul right said I do the things I know I shouldn't do and I don't do the things I should and yep. the struggle is very real and very common as well. It's not a Yeah, an and there's a pa-
2: and there is a passage in the book of Timothy. I was trying to find it um, uh, again my brain just spacing it, but it, where it talks about uh, um, repentance being a gift. Yeah. And uh, it's in the book of Timothy, mm-hmm. uh, a gift of God. And so seeking that, I think, is beautiful as well. God, give me that repented heart. Yeah. Um, I know that's a prayer of mine almost every day. Right. Um, um, there's so many areas of my life that I see uh, a lack of Jesus in. Yeah. And um, when you compare your life with God, if you can only come to two conclusions one of them is a prideful conclusion where you think that you lack nothing yeah this is the rich young ruler's problem in the gospel mm. he doesn't think he need he lacks anything right and this is it in the church there's a lot of people that walk around and they go i don't i i don't lack anything yeah you know i am complete in christ yeah, yeah you are complete in christ that's true positionally you are complete in christ you yeah. are saved you know, but you compare your behavior
1: yeah.
2: with Jesus's behavior, mm. and you see that you need transformation. Right, yeah. you need it in massive ways. Yeah, and so you know, to have a broken and a contrite heart before God, which God does not despise. That yeah, you know, and asking God for those the, those needed gifts, that needed heart, that needed life change. Man, that's a beautiful prayer. yeah. And that's yeah. one that needs to be on the lips, I would say, of every person right. who is interested
1: in the Messiah. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Charles Spurgeon, when he talked about repentance, which I, I like his sermons on repentance probably better than anyone else's. Yeah, <laughs> They're really good. Uh, I'd encourage you to look one up, Mike. Just type in Charles Spurgeon repentance, and uh, there's probably quite a few. But one of them that really struck me is he said, I believe that a sinner on his deathbed will repent more fully of his sin than he ever did in his life what he means is that this process of repentance is something that you never actually leave. Like you said, Bo, like every day is a is a new day for God to reveal more of your depravity, more of your wickedness, and more of his glory to you, Yeah. so that you want to conform more of your thoughts and behavior to him. So it, we never quite leave it. It's something that is a good thing. Uh, I think that most Christians present repentance as like a really negative, terrible thing that's like, you know, be sure you only have to do it once. It's like, no, it's it's a beautiful thing. It's a it's a life that is in dedication to again the glory and the awe of God that is then working its way out into you shifting your behavior to be in more conformity to it. Like it's a what a beautiful life, you know.
2: Yeah, and and, and you know, just a salvation is a gift, sanctification is a gift too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We're doing it. Yeah. We're working but it's God who works in us to do according to his good, you know, will. Yeah yeah, Philippians two, 12 and 13. Yeah. And so, you know, um, uh, but it, but to, to, to look at repentance as a gift, like, God, I need repentance. I need you to change my heart. Yeah. I need you to work. It's beautiful. Cause it's kind of acknowledging the idea that, Hey, you know, God, you need to, you need to change me. Yeah. You know, I need to be changed. Um, that passage I was looking at was second Timothy chapter two, actually. Um, where it talks about those who oppose, in verse 25, and those who oppose God, uh, are, are oppose my, not God, but um, Paul's message. Right. It says, you must gently instruct Timothy in the hope that God will, what? Grant them repentance, yeah. mm-hmm. leading to the knowledge of the truth. So it's kind of interesting. God will grant them. God will grant grace. That's yeah. the idea.
1: Yeah. And that's uh, that was the main contention that Jesus had with the Pharisees. Right? So when he says, you're whitewashed tombs, or you say only clean the outside but not the inside, what he's talking about is an adherence to religiosity that's purely skin deep. Just do the right thing, and it's all good. And Jesus says, no, something needs to happen in the heart. And that frustrates man, because man wants to be able to do everything on its own. You can change your mind without God. You could change your behavior without God. But you can't change your heart without God. And so when you're coming to, to, to jesus when you're t- coming to god and saying god change my heart you're asking him to do what only he can do right jeremiah when he was thinking about this he lamented and he says can a leopard change his spots can an ethiopian change his skin so then how can you who are accustomed to evil learn to do good that's what he's saying mm-hmm. he's not saying you can't change your be- anyone can change their behavior he's saying you can't change your heart that undergirds the behavior you can't be a new creation yeah. But that's what jesus promises that we will be a new creation so uh, my, my encouragement to you is now that you're praying, right, praying for God to change your heart, start acting as though God is faithful to answer that prayer, right? So don't sit around and say, like, well, I'm going to wait for my heart to totally shift towards the sin, and I'm disgusted by it, and I'm really sorrowful. Like, start acting as though God will answer that prayer. Start walking in faith. And as you're walking in faith, I guarantee you the Holy Spirit will be faithful with his end of the bargain, right? You want to put Mm -hmm. it that way. He will start shifting your heart, absolutely. But you start walking out in faith. You start stepping out in faith. Do the things that you need to do. I I love the uh, recovery prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change. Courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference, right? There are things that you have the ability to change. You need the courage to do so, though. You need the ability to step out in faith and to say, like, what are the, man, if I, who are the people in my life that might be able to help me in this fight? You know, if I talk to them in humility and ask them for help, have I done inventory of my issues and thought through, like, what leads to them and why I do these particular things? If I, really thought about the people I've been hurting and affecting with my behavior. If I sought to make amends with them, if I committed my, I'm going through the 12 steps, but you know, like, you know, have I committed my will to God and the higher power and sought his uh, recovery, understanding I can't do these things in my own strength. And we mean Jesus. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. I mean, that, those are uh, just some basic things, but yeah. really good question. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it is. Thank you, Mike, for that question and your, your transparency and yeah, I know that's... I feel like you're in a better place than you think just based mm-hmm. on what you're saying. You know, just that need for God, so that's good. Um, we've only got about four minutes left on the show, but a question from Ronald. He says that K Arthur has um, a teaching series on battling demons. Uh, seems very strange, but it's a large women's Bible study at a local church. I am skeptical of this women's Bible study. Demonology is not a biblical study I'm aware of or that we should encourage. Please correct me if mm. I'm wrong. So how much should we study demons and their methods and be in in Intelligent about those things, I don't know. Is that something we should give our time to?
2: You know, it it it, it's such a good question. I would say, like, when you read through the Bible, so you start in Genesis and you start just reading through the Bible. How much is the Bible? um, How much is dedicated to the study of demonology?
1: How much? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> much? Okay, so
2: there's not, if we just take, if we just start in Genesis, we start reading. Yeah. Right? We don't, like, Abraham's not studying demons. Yeah. We don't see Isaac studying demons. Right. Jacob. We, we get to, you know, uh, King David. We don't see a big uh, demonology report on on him. We, you know, we, we get to, of course, the Messiah and, you know... And he doesn't teach us much what,
1: about demons. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. What he does is he reveals much. Yeah, mm. you know, meaning he reveals an, a world that is very—he's very aware of, right—and is very real to the Messiah. Yep. which everybody else is blinded to. Mm. So Jesus says, "Hey, this comes out with fasting and prayer." You know, Jesus is revealing things. About a spiritual world, a spiritual economy, um, that you know, if I was with Jesus, I would have done what the disciples did. I would have just been like, I don't even know what he's talking about. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I like in the
1: in the ancient languages, the word "spirit" is also the word for wind. Yep. And I like that because it's like we don't understand the movings of the spiritual realm, just like we don't really understand the wind very much. We see its effects, right? We understand it's there. But well, we don't really understand much about its dynamics and components unless you're like in a meteorology so yeah uh the same thing is true with say the demonic it's like understanding the components and the mechanics of demons is not really that important the important thing is to understand the movement of that spirit right what is the spirit what is the movement of the demonic it's right. in revolt against god test all things
2: right. the bible mm-hmm. does tell us to do
1: exactly so anything that's adversarial which is what the word satan means adversarial to the work of god to the knowledge of god to the theology of god that's demonic right that's moving you and that's that's why a lot of people miss the demonic because they're looking for some overly spiritual you know exorcist type <laughs> stuff it's like no the the movement of the demonic is just a movement away from god yeah like and a like uh the like it, we always like to quote first mm-hmm. Timothy chapter 4, when it comes to
2: demons, uh, that idea of the demonic, because it says, the Spirit clearly says in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits Mm -hmm. and things taught by demons. Mm -hmm. and Now, when you read that, you kind of go, man, dude, this is demonic. Like, this is hardcore demonic teaching. What is it? It's got to be hardcore. And then you go on and it says, such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared with a hot iron. Here it is. They forbid people to marry. Mm. and they
1: abstain from certain foods, Yeah. Yeah. religiosity.
0: Yeah. We better leave it there on the word because we're out of time for today. Thank you, Bo. Thank you, Peter. Great, great time. Thank you for your questions. That was a great question, Ronald. Thank you for that. Join us again tomorrow, same time, same places. Thank you for being part of Reason for Hope. We'll see you next time. God bless you guys. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey
1: through God's word